0: We're going to go back, if you will, to our scripture uh, reading that we've been using as our taking off point for this series, fulfilling our purpose, because we know that every last one of us who are in this place, if you've named the name of Christ and you are a born again believer, God has a divine purpose for your life. God wants to utilize you to advance his kingdom agenda. God wants to utilize you. And me to be a vessel that he can take throughout the world, throughout your community, throughout your neighborhoods, and begin to present the saving work of Christ Jesus and the freedom that it brings. So he has purpose for every last one of you. Don't you dare let the enemy tell you that you're not anything and you, you don't have anything to offer. If you are alive and you're breathing, you got something to offer and you have giftings that we need. Amen. To help build the body of Christ. So, uh, we're going to keep teaching you. We're going to keep preaching to you. We're going to keep sharing with the word of God. Amen. Until the rapture comes. I, I, listen, I, I, know that we have some hard-headed believers, uh, in the body of Christ. I know we have some hard-headed members of EBC who, who hear word, but won't do word. But guess what? I'm going to keep preaching word until the ears begin to open up and the word gets down in your heart. Cause I love you that much. Amen. God bless you. So we're going to start our reading uh, here at uh, Proverbs, the 19th chapter, verse number 21, talking about fulfilling our purpose. Now, when we started this off, we said that uh, the three aspects that we're focusing on engaging, equipping and empowering. We've talked about engaging, how critically important it is for us to engage with other believers, to engage with our local church assembly, because you can be a member of a church and not be fully engaged. How many of y'all know that's true? How many of y'all ever been a member of a church but not really fully engaged? You're on the peripheral. You kind of, yeah, you're there, you, yeah, you even give your tithes and your offerings and, and and you come, but you're not really locked in. See, you know, you know, being a former athlete, I say former, I guess I still am an athlete staff, but I think I can run a little bit, I don't know, uh, but just, just a little bit, amen. Uh but but being an athlete, one of the things that you're taught is is you gotta focus. You gotta get locked in to what your assignment is. Amen. And so many times in the church, uh, guys, we don't get locked into what our assignment and what our purpose is. But God says, I need you to be engaged and I'm going to help equip you and then I'm going to empower you. We talked about engaging. We talked about equipping and we're talking about empowering today. We want to talk about empowering the power source that enables us to be efficient and effective in advancing the kingdom agenda. So let's go back to Proverbs 19, verse number 21, because God has a word for every last one of us in here. The text says that you can make many plans, but the Lord's what? Purpose will prevail. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. R- Romans, the chapter, verse number 28. Y'all know it. We've been quoted time and time again. And we know that God calls everything to work. What? together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We're going to stop right there today. Called according to his purpose for them. Now guys uh, on last week we left off and we were talking about uh, the 12 men that Jesus chose to become the original apostles. Amen. And we talked about those 12 men and how Jesus held an all night prayer meeting before he chose these, these common men. These men who, uh, we, if you were to look at them uh, in the, uh, on their LinkedIn profile or looked in uh, 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 at their resume, it was not anything that was just uh, standing out or they, they, meant they were not just uh, powerful men as far as society was concerned. But yet, after praying all night, Jesus chose the 12. And what we discovered on last week was those 12 men that he chose were fallible men. They had issues, right? They had stuff that was not right. The first thing we told you was that they lacked spiritual understanding, correct? And so Jesus overcame that by teaching them. They didn't have spiritual understanding. The Second thing we discovered was they lacked humility. These guys lacked humility. They were They were trying to jockey for who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. They want to know who's going to sit on his right hand, his left hand when they get to the kingdom. Amen. So they lack humility. So Jesus had to teach them by way of example, by girding himself with a towel, stooping down on on, on the floor and begin to wash some nasty feet. Can I get a witness teaching them how if you're going to be great, you got to first of all, learn how to serve. And there are a lot of folks in ministry, guys, who don't learn, don't know how to serve, don't want to serve. They just want to be served. So if we're go- if we're going to be uh, uh, kingdom advancers, we got to learn how to serve. He taught them they lacked humility, but he taught them by way of example. The third thing we said they they all lacked faith, and so he Jesus overcame that 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 obvious fault by 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 performing miracles by by performing miracles before them. And the fourth thing we said they lacked commitment, right? And so how did Jesus overcome that obvious fault by prayer? And lastly, they all lacked power. Amen. How did Jesus overcome their lack of power? He sent them the Holy Spirit. That's where we left off. They lack power. They lack power. So God, for everything that's wrong with us or lacking or or we're at fault or we're coming short of. God has a way of shoring us up. I am so glad that he does because I don't know about you, but I know that I don't have it all together. Okay, y'all can't say it, man. Let me me call and look at this side. I know and you know that you don't have it all together. Thank you. I know and you know that you don't have it all together. Neither do I. All right, good, good. Now we're cooking with grease now, baby. Amen. I need y'all to hear me today. Guys, we don't have it all together. But where we are weak, he is strong. God is able to come in and to to help us get to where we need to be. Now, guys, uh, if y'all remember, uh, before we get into the the meat of this text today, I want to, you know, those that went through the kingdom disciples study uh, know that we learned from that study that one of the most dynamic, influential churches of all time was the church that was described in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. Let's go there right quick, and we're going to read Acts chapter 2. Verses 41 through 47. Amen. One of the most dynamic churches of all time. The text says this. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Can you imagine that one sermon preached and 3,000 souls coming to Christ? What if we have a revival here at EBC and through that revival meeting, three-night revival or one-night revival, 3,000 souls came to Christ. And said they want to join the church. They want to be a part of the ministry work here at EBC. Now guys, if 3,000 souls came, those 3,000 souls have to be brought in. They have to be nurtured. They have to be developed. I'm talking about somebody who don't know Christ. I'm talking about somebody who makes a personal decision to invite Christ in their heart to save them. And now we are responsible for their pathway to spiritual maturity. Now, guys, listen to me, me very carefully. As your pastor, I know right now we're not quite ready to take in three thousand at one time and be effective in ministering to them and discipling them. You know why? Because God's still got to, he's, he's still working on us and he'll always be working on us. But at some point in time, guys, we got to stop being the one who, who needs needs it, needs to be nurtured and developed. And we got to start nurturing, and developing other people we got to grow in our faith to the point to where I can assign five people to you and you won't mess them up. Hello? Because some of y'all, if I, if I assign one person to you, uh, they're they going to be with you for two weeks and then they're going to be out of the church. Because you have not, you fail to actually commit to being disciple to yourself. Hello, somebody. Watch this. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized after the church that day. About three thousand dollars. Next verse says what? Let's read. All the believers devoted themselves. All of the, all the believers. All the believers. Everybody said all the believers. believers. Said again. Said all, all the believers. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles. What? Teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's supper, and to prayer. Next verse says what? A deep sense of all came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Next verse says what? Let's go. And all the believers, all the believers, all the believers. Everybody say all the believers. Say not some sometimes me believer. Say not a every now and then church member. Say all the believers. We're talking about a dynamic church that had supernatural influence during the early stages of the formation of the church. And they were, they were, the Bible says they, they, All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Next verse, let's read. It says what? They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Next verse says what? They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for their Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Next verse says what? All the while doing what? Praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being Saved. I like all the believers. Everybody say all the believers. Now this church was vibrant and alive. And, and, and alive. We learned this through our Kingdom Disciple. This, this should be reviewed for some of y'all. This church didn't own any buildings, uh, had no sound system, no children's ministry, no singles ministry, no marriage ministry. None of those programs were viewed as essential at that time. Uh, yet this church was on fire because it had the Holy Spirit Himself. They were on fire with the Holy Ghost. Everybody say Holy Ghost fire. Now, does Holy Ghost scare you? See, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. And what we're going to learn through this section of our teaching, it is the power source that enables us to have kingdom impact in the earth. So, so this church had the Holy Spirit. This church was influential in living out the reality of being Jesus' disciples. This church was impactful by following through, y'all should remember these guys, by following through with four spirit-inspired experiences that are necessary, amen, that, that are necessities for churches that would follow Christ in kingdom discipleship. Remember these four things, number one, outreach. And we said outreach is the process of taking the church and its influence out into the community. It should nev- we should never be guilty as a church, EBC, of learning all this stuff about Christ. Learning what to do, but never taking what we learn and, and processing it, getting it down in our spirit, and then now taking it outside of the four walls of this church. What I'm afraid of, a lot of our churches have, and including us in, in a certain degree, have, have failed to take what we've learned and apply it outside. So the process of taking the church and its influence out into the community. We should be known as community changers. We should be known as influencers. We should be influencing those who we come in contact with, whether it's in our place of employment, whether it's on the team that we play on, uh, whether it's in our home or our neighborhood, wherever we go, guys, we should be known as influencers. Witnesses is the way the church conducts outreach. A witness is essentially something that points towards something else. And whether in our actions or our words, we must represent Christ in all that we do, guys we got to represent Christ. Second thing we learned was in this church had outreach and they all, but they also had teaching. Go to second second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. Y'all should know this. Teaching. They had outreach and they had teaching. Let's read out loud and no purpose. Ready to read? All scripture is inspired by God and is to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Now, look, four things, right? Let's, let's, let's button down on it. Focus on it. number one. We said it teaches us. What does the word of God do? The word of God. How, what does it accomplish? It teaches us what is what? True. The word of God teaches us what is true. What else does it do? the next thing? It does what it makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. First of all, it teaches us what is true and it makes us realize what is wrong in our life. And I got to park there just for a second because that's significant to me because many times we don't realize when we're off course. It's hard for us to see our own sin, isn't it? Oh, come on, talk to me. How many of y'all married couples can point out your spouse's sin real quick? But when they point out yours, you, you deny it to the hilt, don't you? That ain't me. I don't act like that. Yes, you do. You mean. You mean. You know you mean. I know you mean. All the children know you mean. I told y'all before. If, if five people who you know say the same thing about you, there's a 99.999% chance that, that, th- that that's true. Because how are all five of them going to get together and lie on the fact that you mean? Hello? So, so you need some people in your life who will tell you the truth. The word of God makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. How does it do that? Because when we look into the into the mirror of the word, it's like seeing ourselves. The Bible in James says it's a mirror. It shows us ourselves. It makes us realize what is wrong in our life. I, I, I promise you, if you were to think just five minutes, there are probably some things that you can probably think about that you thought, well, it was okay to do until you were taught in Bible study that it's not okay to do that. Hello? Because all of us have these little these little ways that that in this this the process of doing things that we've developed from childhood that came from our families of origin and and those things are shaping us and sometimes if we don't look in the book to find out that 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 that, that that's wrong even though we did that for thirty years it's wrong it makes us realize what is wrong the third thing it does what it it corrects us. It corrects us when we're wrong. It makes us realize what is wrong in life. Then it corrects us. It gives us corrective action. And lastly, it does what? It teaches us to do what is right. That's what the word of God does. It, it teaches us what is true, makes us realize what is wrong in our lives, corrects us when we're wrong, and teaches us to do what is right. Now, guys, in that, listen to me very carefully. I, this is something that, that we, that we learn from the kingdom disciples. Study. I want to read this real quickly, uh, but I need y'all to hear this. I need every member of EBC to hear, hear this, and every born again believer to hear this. Hear me real carefully because this is real important. Those four things, and benefiting or you benefiting from those four things won't happen if you don't take time to get into God's word. Listen to what we learned. And y'all remember this. We learned this from our kingdom disciples study it says to acquire a taste for Bible study. You're going to have to discipline yourself to sit down and read whether or not you feel like reading or not. I got to repeat that again. Hear me carefully. Because some of y'all are sit here and you know you. You know you better than I know you. But I know you better than you think I know you. Hello? It's, it's, it's been proven uh, through, through, through statistical uh, research that most Christians, hear me carefully, probably upward to 75 and 80% of Christians don't really spend any time in the book. I didn't say you wasn't saved. I didn't say you didn't come to church, but you don't spend any time in the book. Now, the book teaches you what is true, makes you realize what is wrong, corrects us when you're wrong, and teaches us to do what is right. So if I don't spend any time in the book, then there's a good chance I'm not going to know what's true. I'll just take whatever somebody said. It sounds good. He was very articulate when he said it. It made sense to the natural mind, but it didn't make sense biblically. Hello? And because I don't get in the book, I don't know what's true. I don't, I don't realize what's wrong in my life, and, and, and I don't, I'm not being corrected. I keep doing the same stuff, and, and I don't, I'm not being taught what, what is right. He said, we, he said that we learn this. The more time you spend in the Word, the more you'll understand. And the more you understand, the more you'll want to read. You know you're becoming, listen to me carefully. You know you're becoming a kingdom disciple when you're in the word day by day. All right, now watch this now. You know that you are a kingdom disciple, hear me carefully, when you're in the word what? Day by day. Flip back over to 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 17 again. Look look at the latter part. You know you are uh, in the word when you... Or you know, you've been coming to king and a disciple when you're in the Word day by day. God uses what? He uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. God uses the Word to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Now watch this. I got to ask this rhetorical question. If I'm not in the word and the word is the way God prepares and equips me to do every good work, then I'm not going to be prepared and equipped to do every good work if I'm not in the word. Can I get two amen out there? The last part he said, listen, listen to me carefully. He says, you know, you're becoming the kingdom disciple when you're in the word day by day. Instead of waiting until Sunday so that somebody else can feed you, you're learning to feed yourself. You're reading scripture, meditating on it, and asking the Holy Spirit to guide you. Listen to this last sentence. When the word of God is precious to you, you're on your way. Listen to this. Church should light the fire but you got, to flan, you got to fan the flame. I got to read that again. Church should do what? Light the fire, but you must fan the flame. See, the church is co- with what we come to get exhorted. We get, we, get, we get to be encouraged. We get to draw strength from one another. But guys, when you leave here, you got to do something. So if you're struggling in that area and we know that God uses it, what is it? Excuse me. Okay, we got to teach this morning. What is it? God uses the word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Is it any wonder that you're not prepared and equipped? Hear me carefully. You're not prepared and equipped because, come on, God, let's be honest. You struggle to get into the word. But we start off by saying, whether you feel like it or not, sit down and, and tell your body, flesh, you are not in control. Flesh, I know you want to watch the ball game, but you committed to give time to God. Flesh, I know you want to watch this reality, mind-numbing, mind-numbing bachelorette and bachelor. Oh, some of y'all say, Pastor, you picking on me now? How? How in the world? I want to ask you a question. What? How, how many of y'all would want to go and try to figure out if you're going if, if, if to get five or ten men together and figure out which one of those men you want to be with? How, how, how many of you know that that's got to be a, a very, really, reality ain't reality. Y'all know that, right? Now, some of y'all, some of y'all look at me like right now, that, that passion, you know, are you saying is, listen, I'm saying some of the stuff that we watch on television, we got to be careful what we allow to come in our ear gates, in our eye gates. And so so some of the stuff we're watching, we, we will put that above our time with God and his word. And so even if your flesh doesn't feel like it, sit down and force your flesh to do what it needs to do. The Holy Spirit's job is to reveal the word to us. In John 14 and 26, Jesus told his disciples that the Holy Spirit will teach you everything and will remind you, Of everything I've told you. That's what that's what Jesus told his disciples. The Holy Spirit. He says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. He's talking to his disciples here. Now, guys, listen. And so we got outreach. We got teaching. To acquire a taste for Bible study, guys, you have to discipline yourself to sit down and read whether you feel like reading or not. And the more you read, the more you become gravitated toward it. And I told you before, even if you struggle with understanding, maybe you have trouble reading, but connect with somebody else. You can get the Bible on tape where you can if if you have trouble reading, you can get the Bible on tape where you can you can you can you can can listen to it as you go along in your car. Most of these new uh, uh, these translations of the Bible, the electronic version uh, on these iPads, it also has a, a. Uh, a voiceover that that reads to to you. And then you also can connect with somebody else who y'all can pair up and be accountable to one another. So there's no excuse for not getting before God. And if you're not getting before God, he can't equip you and prepare you for the good work. Maybe that's why he's not using you in the good work because you have not been prepared and equipped. God wants to do it. If you're going to fulfill your purpose, we got to be equipped. Amen. Third thing we learned was fellowship. The Greek word for fellowship literally means to share something in common with others. Fellowship is sharing our lives with other believers. And that's what some of us are reluctant to do. I tell you, some of us are reluctant to be engaged and to share our lives with other believers. Now, I've discovered that sometimes that's because we're doing things that we don't want others to know about. Hello, saints. We say we're saved. And and again, guys, saved people can do some unsaved stuff. But we're saved, but we don't want to get too close or don't want anybody else to be too close to us because they may see the other side of us. Now listen, as your pastor, I'm going to love you. I promise you I am. But as your pastor, I'm also going to challenge you. Are y'all still, are y'all still, is this mic still on? Is this mic still on? As your pastor, I love you, but I'm going to challenge you. As your pastor, I don't want to see us being a a body of believers who go out and do anything out there and think we're okay with God in here. Lifestyle is critically important. And if God is going to use you, if he's going to prepare you and equip you for every good work, he also wants you to live for him out there. Now, some of y'all listening to me uh, via live stream or here in the sanctuary, some of y'all looking at me and you know that your heart is not into pursuing God. And therein lies the problem. As your pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm truly concerned. Because I'm afraid that some of y'all have a concept of God, but you really don't have a personal relationship with God. I understand it. I was there before too. I thought it was all about coming to church. I thought it was all about just make sure I show up on Sunday. I don't care how sleepy I am. I don't care what I did on Saturday night. Just come to church. But coming to church is not what this thing is all about. Kingdom discipleship means that I'm going to operate under the rulership of Jesus Christ. That means he rules my life. That means that things that I do out there, if I would be ashamed to do it here at church, I shouldn't be doing it out there. Y'all with me? If we're going to fulfill our purpose, because our purpose can't be fulfilled if we're not prepared and equipped and we can't be prepared and equipped if we're doing whatever we want to do out there. I love you and I'm still going to work with you, but, but God can't use you. And I can't really use you at a, at, only at a certain level if you're out there doing everything the world is doing. Holiness is still right. Can I say it again? Holiness. It's still right. You know, we live in a day and age now where people people like, well, I I don't want the church to get into my business. Baby, let me tell you something. If you belong to Christ, amen, everything that happens in your life is God's business. And we are together. Nobody's going to run around chasing behind you, trying to find out what you're doing. But when we when we do life together, then now we begin to discover how you really do in life. Now, some of y'all, I don't know how you're really doing life. Because I only see you here on Sunday. Let me say it again. The, most of us, I, I don't necessarily know how you're doing life because I only see you here on Sundays. And what we got to do is we got to change that. I'm not talking about just coming to meet, because I'm talking about doing life together. They were engaged. They, they, they talked to each other. And so we got we to gotta start talking. And and again, listen, guys, when we start talking, and if you're struggling in the area, there's no reason to to, to not still engage because we can help each other. Can I get a witness? One thing I promise you is your pastor. And and, and some of y'all out there know we've been through some stuff and we counseled some things. One thing about me is your pastor. I'm not going to throw you away. I'm going to try to help you. I'll try to help discipline you if you allow, if you allow spiritual discipline to take place in your life. Uh, But we're not going to throw you away. We just want to help you grow so you can be ready and prepared to advance kingdom agenda. Can I get a witness? So fellowship is important. You can't become a disciple of Jesus Christ independent of others. You cannot become a disciple of Jesus Christ independently of others. I know I've said before, as long as I got King Jesus, don't need nobody else. Baby, let me tell you something. You need people in your life. Yes, you got Jesus, but you need people too. Because Jesus, God, uses people to help equip us. He uses people, come on, to, to, to gift us some, some Holy Spirit gifts that we need to help nurture and develop us. So quit saying you don't need anybody else. You, you, you do. Because God says you do. You cannot become a disciple of Jesus Christ independently of others. I know you thought that, but that's that's that human pride that's rising up. I used to say that same thing too. I don't need nobody else. Yes, I do. Because we draw strength from each other. And lastly, we learn about worship, right? Worship is recognizing God for who he is, what he's done, and what we're trusting him to do. Amen? God is the focus of worship. God responds to our worship, both public and private. Guys, if you want God's power in your life, Worship must be a part of your daily communion with him. Worship is recognizing God for who he is, what he's done, and what we're trusting him to do. If you want power in your life, worship must be a part of your daily communion with him. What made the difference, guys, in this church that we're talking about in Acts 2? What made the difference? They were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, guys, a lot of us have a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit. And what I want to do in this section I won't finish it today, but I want to start off by giving you a glimpse into what it means to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because most of us, if we're honest about it, we've been trying to do this Christian life in our own strength. Just buckle down. Just get before the Lord. "Mm, I'm going to I'm going to wheel my way into it. And we've left the Holy Spirit out. We left the power source out. We haven't even begun to understand what God wants to do in and through us by way of his Holy Spirit. And that's what we want to get to today. Amen. A church can have an established structure, large buildings and a multitude of programs. But if the Holy Spirit isn't free to lead people in an ongoing process of discipleship, the church itself, guys, is actually getting in the way of God's kingdom goals for his body. To believe. We learned that in the kingdom discipleship. Didn't we? Y'all, that should be familiar to you all. Read that. Read that with me out loud. No purpose. A church can have an established structure, large buildings, and a multitude of programs. But if the Holy Spirit isn't free to lead people in an ongoing process of discipleship, the church itself is actually getting in the way of God's kingdom goals for his body of believers. Y'all, listen guys. Churches must focus on discipleship, not just membership. And guys, if the honest truth be told, we've fallen into this worldly way of evaluating the effectiveness of the ministry. If a ministry is a mega church and they're averaging over 2,000 or 3,000 people on a weekend service, we think that's a successful church, right? Because we've been accustomed to evaluating effectiveness and whether or not it's godly based on the size but guys, there, 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 is, there is kingdom work happening in a 25-member in a, in a, in a church. There's kingdom work happening in a 100-member church. There's kingdom work happening in a 450-member church. Don't get suckered into evaluating the effectiveness of ministry based off of size. A lot of folks go to mega churches. They go in, they come out. I'm not criticizing mega because we want to meet we want to reach as many people we can. But the, the reality is, guys, as the larger you get, it's easier to hide. It's easier to not be engaged. You can say, oh, I go to this church. Well, you go in, nobody knows you, you're not really involved. You go in and you, you, you worship and you leave. And some people want that. They don't want any responsibility or accountability. But as your pastor... Hear me, hear me, look at me. Y'all got the wrong pastor. You came to the wrong church. If all you want to do is come in, I don't want nobody bother me. Stop pastors. Have them members. Stop calling me, asking me how I'm doing. What well, are you just trying to engage? They're trying to do what they've been taught to do. And really, you don't even know that you need it. If you knew that you need it, you wouldn't be saying what you're saying when they do call you. See, we're about accountability, and we're about transforming this body into, into to more than just thinking about membership. Church must focus on discipleship, not just membership. The church must do everything it can to create a large number of people who are prepared and equipped to infiltrate the culture as visible, verbal representatives of the kingdom of God, guys. Now, let's examine the power source for a second, okay? Let's examine the power, the power source, okay? Examine the power source. Let's go to uh, Acts chapter 1 right quick. Now, tell you what, let's, let's, let's go back to, we'll start read our reading at the first verse here. Acts chapter number 1, start the first verse. We're going to see here a situation where it's accounted of Jesus after his crucifixion on the cross of Calvary and his resurrection from the grave, amen? Everybody say early one Sunday morning. He got up with all power and held an earth in his hands. But now, he spent some time down here on earth. The text says, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. Now, Dr. Luke is the writer of Acts. I believe I'm correcting that. Y'all, you you theologians, Bible theologians, check me out. Luke writes, uh, Dr. Dr. Luke, he was a physician by trade. He writes this letter. He says, until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through what he gave them further instruction through what see one of the things that guys got to recognize whenever I here's what I try to do whenever I, I get ready to share a message with you or if I'm talking to you I want to I want to consult God first I want the Holy Spirit to tell me what to share because the Holy Spirit knows exactly what every last one of us need to hear. He knows exactly where we are. He knows those who are engaged and those who are not engaged. He knows those who have been equipped. He knows those who are not equipped. He knows those who are empowered and those who've not been empowered. And so I want to follow his lead. The text says, even Jesus, amen, the resurrected Christ, it says, until the day he was taken up, to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instruction through the Holy Spirit. Look what he says in the next verse. Let's read. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. So a 40 day period after the resurrection, Jesus is here on the earth, still interfacing with his apostles, teaching them. Amen. And he proved them to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about what the kingdom of God. He talked to them about the kingdom of God. Next verse says what? Once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift. He promised, as I told you before. Next verse says what John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Now watch this. They still have a little bit of a, a carnal mindset because they, they should have been thinking about we want to know when we're going to be in charge. Back up what he says. He said during that 40 day period, he talked to him about the kingdom of God. And see, what a lot of people don't realize is that before there is a physical kingdom that comes, there has to be a spiritual kingdom that's established. Before something comes as a manifestation in the physical realm, it has to take place in the spirit realm. See, many times we're running after the physical, but we had not gotten our spirit man right first. We want God to come in and do, Lord, do it right now. Now, Lord. But God says, I'm willing to do it, but I got to deal with you internally first. Because if I give it to you physically first and you're not right internally, you're going to mess it up. How many of y'all ever give your your children something uh, and they weren't ready for it? Even though they begged for it, they asked for it. And and, and you fool around because of their begging, their asking, you gave it to them and they messed it up. They, they, They messed the whole thing up because they were not ready for it yet. You got to be ready, amen, for for what God has in store for you. He has a purpose and a plan for your life, but he's got to equip you and empower all of us before he gets us there. Can I get a witness? Now watch, watch it. So when the apostles were there, Jesus kept, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Next verse says what? He replied, the father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Next verse, let's read. But you will receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and into the ends of the earth. Next verse says what? Well, let's read for good measure. After saying this, he was taken up in a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. Now, guys, watch this. Let, let's go back and, and, and do some some backtrack. And I want you to go to Matthew, the third chapter, verse number 11. Before Jesus began his ministry. On earth, the father sent a forerunner to announce his coming. And this was John the Baptist. Y'all remember John the Baptist, right? The one that was beheaded because he told the king about himself. John the Baptist, the one who spoke truth to power and told the king, it's wrong for you to steal your husband's wife. Not your husband. Yeah, your your brother's wife. Not your husband's wife. (laughs) Somebody said, oh, Lord Jesus, was he married to a man? No, no, no. (laughs) <laughs> he he told King Herod it's wrong for you to steal or to take your brother's wife. And y'all know the story how it was that that that, uh, that the lady who he was who he stole her daughter danced before King Herod and asked him and, and when she, she danced so seductively and, and so mesmerizing that that, she, that he told her whatever you want you can have. And the mama who was mad because John the Baptist bust them down because they were immoral Told her daughter to ask for John the Baptist's head on the platform. That very same John the Baptist who was not afraid to speak truth to power. Political power. And see, what's happening today in the church, guys? The church has abdicated its responsibility, and we've allowed politicians to tell us what to believe, rather than we tell the politicians what they need to believe. See, the church was never designed to be led by politics. Kick politics out the door and let the gospel of Jesus Christ reign and rule in our churches. Watch this though. Watch this. Matthew chapter. So the forerunner. I want to share this with you. And again, I need y'all to listen very carefully. Because guys, here's what's missing in our churches. Here's what's missing in the life of the average believer. That's the power source. Being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I want us to learn and I want us to, to follow what the example that is set in Scripture. Amen. Before again, before Jesus began his ministry, the father sent a forerunner named John the Baptist. He baptized people with water unto repentance. The Gospels record that he also baptized Jesus. Watch what the text says here. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon, this is John the Baptist, talking, who is greater than I am, so much greater that, that, that I'm not worthy even to be a slave or carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now watch this, next verse, let's read. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his, with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Text says, then Jesus went from Galilee to to the Jordan River. He went there to what? To be baptized by John. Text says the next verse. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? Text says what? But Jesus said it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Now, guys, let's park that just for a second. When we read about this, our process of, of reason immediately go into action, and, 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 and we, we ask ourselves, just like John the Baptist asked, why did Jesus need to be baptized? Why did he need to be baptized? Wasn't he born without sin? True enough, true that, as, as the folks from New Orleans say, true that. Amen. Uh, Wasn't he born without sin and didn't he live a sinless life? Everybody say true that. What need did he have to repent? Because if John's baptism was the baptism of what? John says it was a baptism of what? Repentance. Come on now. Well, Jesus had no sin, so there was no need for him what? To repent or to be baptized, guys. Are y'all following me? John was a logical figure. Now, if you're thinking logically, like, well, why, why, why? Jesus is John is baptism is baptism under repentance. Why does Jesus need to be baptized when he is not? Come on, when, when, when he's perfect, when he's sinless. His mind, John's mind, went through the same logical process. I, John, I hear John says, "I baptize with water unto repentance." He has no sin, therefore I shall not baptize him. If anything, he should baptize me. Well, that's a good reason when you, when you agree. Well, it's completely logical, but this very human reaction has one real problem. It doesn't conform to the word and the will of God. See, God has a purpose in, in having Jesus be baptized by John. Can I get it word? Jesus, discerning what God's will is, says, let it be so now. All your thinking, John, is true enough, but nevertheless, let it be so for now. Listen to me carefully, guys. God's plan and God's ways are bigger than our human logic and our understanding. Go look at Isaiah 55 and nine. Watch what the text says in Isaiah 55 and nine. And you got to hear this because you'll never understand the works of God. Amen. In your own carnal way of thinking. You'll never be able to to follow God's leading if you're depending on your logic. It doesn't work that way. Look at what the text says. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than what? Your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let's read it out loud No purpose. It says what? For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So that means that God's way of thinking, God's way of doing things supersedes our natural way of understanding things. And that's what was happening here. Logically, when you look at it, there was no need for John, Jesus to be baptized by John. the Baptist. As John said, I need to be baptized in you. But Jesus said, I suffered to be so. Let it be so for right now. In submitting to the baptism of John, I need y'all to get this. In submitting to the baptism of John, Jesus lives out and displays before our eyes a deep spiritual truth. I need y'all to catch this, y'all. The truth can be expressed in three parts. Look at this right quick. Number one, the Word of God does not always make sense to our human understanding. Let me repeat that. The Word of God, ever say the Word of God does not always makes sense to our human understanding. Let me ask you a question. Brother Jerry, if somebody does something wrong to you, what's the natural human response? Get back back at them. Do something wrong to them. Right? But the word of God says, Tony, pray for those who do what? Despitefully use you. That don't make sense to the natural mind. The natural mind says, if they get me, I'm going to get them back. Hello? Oh, come on. Y- 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 are y'all with me? If they do something to me, I'm going to make sure I do something back to them. But, but, but the supernatural way of doing things is pray for those who despitefully use you. The word of God does not always make sense to our human understanding. The third, The second thing I want you to make note of is we are called to obey the word whether we understand all the reasons behind it or not. And that's where a lot of us jump off the ship. Read that with me. It says what? We are called to obey the word whether we understand all the reasons behind it or not. I don't have to understand all the reasons behind why God told me to do what he told me to do, but I know that it works. Let me ask you all a question. I mean, how many of y'all are here are mechanics by trade? How, uh, mechanics by trade. You do it for a living. All right. All right. None of y'all are. How many of y'all drive cars? All right. Everybody in here, right? How many of y'all know the ins and out of that, that combustion engine that causes, you put gasoline in a tank, and by putting gasoline in the tank, it fires up, you know, the spark plugs, which fires up the, the whatever Jerry, which calls it the turbines to turn. I, staff. I don't know what I'm talking about, but, but 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 I sound close to it, okay? And the pistons begin to move and 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 the thing begins to turn and the axle turns and the wheels turn and next thing you know, you're driving down the highway. How many of y'all understand the intricacy of how a car works? You absolutely do not, but you're in that driving every day, aren't you? And some of y'all are in there low ride. Y'all remember low riding this? Any of y'all used to low ride? That's back in the old days. When you're sitting down, here, here's low riding, guys. You know what low riding is? Robert, I know you know what low riding is. Y'all remember that song about uh, uh, Diamond in the Back, Some Rooftop? Dig in the scene with the gangster lean. Ooh. That, that's old school. Some of y'all got a gangster lean. You don't understand it. But you use it because, you know, when I turn the key and nowadays you don't have to even turn the key, Yvonne, just press the button. And it starts. Guys, listen, there are things about God's word that we don't know and we don't understand why. But if we will be obedient to the word of God even when we don't understand the word of God, we don't understand the whys behind it, but God said, if you just trust me, I will make a way for you. If you'll just stop doubting me and take me at my word, faith coming by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Many of us in here aren't obedient because when we don't understand something like, even like John the Baptist, Jesus had to tell him. Suffer it to be so for right now. He said, "Really, John, what you're saying is true, but I'm setting an example. I'm, 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 I'm obeying my father's word. My father sent me from heaven and told me to go be baptized by John in the Jordan River, and he was being obedient to the word. We all call to obey the word, whether we understand all of the reasons behind it or not. Third thing, I want you to make mental note of." By stepping out in faith and humbly obeying the word, we come to a deeper experience of both its truth and its power. I need y'all to read that with me. Come on, let's go. It says what by stepping out in faith and humbly obeying the word, we come to a deeper experience of both its what? It's truth and what? And its power. Now, guys, guys, in spiritual things, hear me careful. In spiritual things, the pathway to understanding and truth is not by way of human knowledge and by human reason, but by way of obedience, humble obedience to the Word of God. See, many many of you all get tripped up, and I used to be this way too. I'm trying to figure out what God's going to do, and God says. I didn't ask you to figure out what I'm going to do or how I'm going to do it. Just trust me that I will do it. See, the Bible says when we pray, say unto the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, and do not doubt in our heart, but believe that the thing which we say is to come to pass, we'll have what we say. That's the God kind of faith in action. In other words, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I just trust that you can and you will do it. God, I don't know. And I, I'm, I'm not sure how you're going to get me out of this trap that I, that, I, that I got in myself because of my poor decision. But Lord, I trust that you will make a way somehow. Lord, I trust, amen, that you love me enough to not throw me away. And he does, guys. It is agape, unconditional love. So in spiritual things, the pathway to understanding and tr- truth is not by human knowledge and reason, but by way of obedience. Humble obedience to the word of God without the anointing and infilling of the Holy Spirit. There can be no true ministry. I'm going to say that again without the anointing and infilling of the Holy Spirit. There can be no true ministry, guys. Amen. In spiritual things, the pathway to understanding and truth is not by way of human knowledge and reason, but it's by way of obedience. The Bible says this, if you're willing to and obedient you'll eat the good of the land you can be willing but not obedient you won't eat the good of the land come on there are a lot of us have 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 been in seasons in our life where we we wanted to but we were we were we, we say we were willing but we were not obedient willing if you're willing and obedient the bible says you'll eat the good of the land Jesus lived out this deep spiritual truth before our very eyes. He receives the word of God when human reason can't grasp the necessity of it. He obeys it nevertheless, and the word of God proves itself to be both truth and power, guys. In his own baptism, Jesus revealed a pattern of action whereby any Christian can enter in and experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to share this with you, and I'm going to stop here because my time is up. But guys, one of the things we got to realize is this, this pattern that Jesus set for us moves through the three phases of the truth I shared with you a while ago. OK, uh, which are portrayed in Jesus' own baptism. Uh, think about this for a second. Our human understanding cannot altogether grasp the reason or the necessity for a baptism with the Holy Spirit. According to the pattern given in Scripture. We are encouraged to trust and obey the word of God nevertheless, right? The word of God concerning this baptism with the Holy Spirit will prove itself to be both true and power. Both truth and power. From the standpoint of human reason, listen to me to carefully. Jesus didn't need to be baptized, right? We already decided that, right? John was, baptism was the baptism of repentance. Jesus didn't know no sin. There was no need for him really to be baptized. But he did it. He said, let it be so. Because I'm setting the pattern. I'm setting a pattern for those who will come after you, John. Those who will receive my word. Amen. So from a human standpoint, they they don't need to be baptized. He had no sin. So why baptize unto repentance? Likewise, for someone who is already a Christian... Uh the baptism with the Holy Spirit has a similar, quote, unreasonable aspect. Some people say, Well, I'm already saved, Pastor. And the Bible tells me in Romans 8 chapter verse 9 that, that it, those who don't have the Spirit of Christ don't 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 know him. So I got the Spirit of Christ if I'm if I'm saved, right? That's true. Yeah, you're exactly right, and and so that that's good too. And, but 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 you got to realize and understand something that it goes beyond just that. All right, I'm saved, and I and I'm going to heaven, and I have the Holy Spirit because I got the abiding present Holy Spirit. Why are you trying to tell me there's another power source? It's not another. It's one that we embrace more to be in infilled with the Holy Spirit. See, the, the, the New Testament church was able to accomplish, uh, Brenda, what they were able to accomplish because they were empowered by the Holy Ghost. And whenever you try to do ministry in your own strength with just ministry strategy and protocol, but no power source, you will soon, amen, run into a brick wall. Because we were never designed to do this ministry work apart from the power, the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. On the day of Christ's ascension, every one of the apostles could have made the same argument that some Christians make. Well, you know, I'm saved. I invited Christ into my heart to save. Pastor, you've already told us that, that everybody that's born again has the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. Because Romans 8 and 9 tells us if you don't have the spirit of Christ, which is the Holy Spirit, then, then we can't, we're not here. So I, I wish I have the Holy Spirit in me. But then, so, so why is it necessary to go a step further to be, in, to be filled, to be baptized with? Well, let me let, let me show you something. See the, the disciples on the day of Pentecost, hear me carefully, Jesus told them before the day of Pentecost, go and wait in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem until you be empowered f- from where? On high. Now go to, go with me, if you will, to John the twentieth chapter, and I'm gonna stop here at verse number twenty-two. Those very same disciples who Jesus told to go and wait in Jerusalem until you be empowered from high. Look at what happened here to them in John the twentieth chapter. Before He told them to go away. Then he breathed on them and said what? (laughs) Receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said what? Receive the Holy Spirit. Now if Jesus said receive the Holy Spirit, don't you think those guys received the Holy Spirit at that point in time? Absolutely. But he knew that there was going to be an ushering in of the Holy Spirit, amen, into the earth realm at a level, amen, that will empower them, To do the work of ministry. Now guys. On next week we're going to talk a little bit more about. That empowering source. We're going to look at the day of Pentecost. We're going to look at what transpired. And we're going to look and see. That if we really as a church. Want to. To have significant kingdom impact. Like the early church. We got to receive. The infilling of the Holy Spirit. I like what Paul said it. And I quote it all the time as I go to my seat. In in Ephesians, I think it's the fifth chapter, maybe around verse number 18. He says, be not drunk with wine wherein is what? Excess, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. He's talking to people who are already born again. He's talking to the church. Do not be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, what? Be filled with the Spirit. I'll tell you before, I, I, when I first saw that comparison, I'm like, why is Paul using drunkenness to compare that with being filled with the Spirit? It puzzled me for a number of years. Then all of a sudden, you know, I started thinking, you know what? That is an absolute perfect comparison. Because when you are drunk, that means you're under the influence. Let me say every Christian who listen to me right now, if you're getting drunk, you're in sin. Let me say it again. If you're getting drunk, you're in sin. And if you're a member of this church, hello, we made covenant that we will abstain from alcohol. So if you're a member of this church, I ain't saying you're going to hell. But I will tell you that you are out of order when you're consuming alcoholic beverages. Because I believe this, if you give the devil an inch, that sucker will take a mile. If you just open the door up with a little drink here, a little something, something here, a little purple drink here, a little little Jack Daniel here, next thing you know, you'll be staggering across the highway. So I say don't even start. You start with a little something, something here, a little gateway drug here, and next thing you know, you're strung out. So if you're a member of this church, everybody said this, this church. If you're a member of this church, come on, then then you are out of order. Oh, you don't want me to pass you that way, do you? Pastor, get out of my business. Pastor, no, 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 no. I didn't say you were going to hell. I just said that 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 I would rather your mind be solidly focused on the things of God, and it cannot be fo- solidly focused on the things of God when it's being influenced by some outside substance that's coming into your body. And I want my mind to be fully focused on God at twenty four seven. Be not drunk with wine, where it's, it's a perfect comparison because wine and strong drink will control you. The Bible says, "Be not," it says. Wine is a mocker, and strong drinking is raging and whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. I want to be wise and I can be deceived by something I'm putting in my body thinking it's okay because I'm just doing it in moderation. I had a guy tell me this 30 years ago. uh, We were talking about marijuana. He said, man, ain't nothing wrong with it. As long as you do it in moderation. Next thing you know, he was strung out on crack cocaine. But it started with a little moderation. I'm just trying to help somebody in here. I'm trying to help somebody out there. God loves you, but no matter where you've been, what you've done, we still love you. We're not judging you. We're just judging the wrongness of an action, and saying, "Hey, let's come together and let's do it God's way." Don't be drunk with wine, which is the next to be filled with the Spirit. And when you fill with the Spirit, that means you're controlled by the Spirit. You can, you know when you feel, Amen, when you are living a certain way. And we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the Church at Acts. And look at the example that is seen in this church in Acts 2 and how great of an impact they had because they were empowered by the power source, the Holy Spirit in their life. Every head bowed, every head closed.